Hey there. You got a bunch of leads, but too swamped to make heads or tails out of them? When it comes to sealing the deal, you just throw out a number and hope for the best? Well, it's time to change that too. Welcome to the Million Dollar Pipeline Challenge, tailor-made for the home services and remodeling pros just like you. We're cutting through the clutter, showing you how to chat with your customers and nail your pitches and boost those conversions. No more guesswork, just solid strategies to grow your business. Tune in to transform your approach and let's build that million dollar pipeline together. Text the word money to 844-949-1984. That's the word money to 844-949-1984 to begin your million dollar pipeline challenge today. Welcome to Blue Collar BS, a podcast that busts the popular myth that we can't find good people, highlighting how the different generations of today, the boomers, Gen X, millennials, and Gen Z are redefining work so that the industrial revolution that started in the U.S. stays in the U.S. Welcome back, Brad Herda. How are we doing this weekend? Fall's coming and I'm not excited about it. Oh, dude, fall is the best time of the year. Get your fishing on. Get your fishing on. Let's go. Let's go. So we're here at Blue Collar BS. Brad, what do we got on the show today? On the show today, we have a gentleman that we connected with on LinkedIn, happens to live here in southeastern Wisconsin, like 10 minutes from my house, probably 15 minutes. Might even be a neighbor of my mother-in-law. I'm not even sure. Um, We have Tim Litzow who has spent uh, decades in the construction general contracting area, has uh, been on his own, been working for others, different folks, and has a passion for the industry. And we welcome Tim to the show today. Thanks for having me on, guys. Good to be here. And I can yeah, tell it's thanks, Friday because I heard that pop top there, Steve. Yes, you did. That is right. <laughs> you definitely celebrate those. <laughs> it's so, Friday afternoon. It's four. It's five o'clock somewhere. Maybe always it's is. to celebrate the queen. It's to celebrate the queen. Right. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Right. Well, it'd be a gin and right. tonic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we can go those. We can go that route. So, Tim, one of the first questions we get before we get into the show is, which generation do you uh, most relate best fit in with? Well, I fall into the uh, baby boomers, just the tail end of that. Born in '62. But I've always thought it was kind of interesting that right from the get-go, we pigeonhole people. And I, I think, yep. you know, and I I question that because I, I look, I have a sheet, little sheet here that I look at that I reference with all the different generations. And I can see some things from every generation that I identify with. So I'm not a fan Absolutely. of pigeonholing yep. people, but... Um, we, I would agree with you that it's not a fan of pigeonholing, but there is, uh, there are some generalities because of how we grew up, right? Sure. Um, sure. You know, the experiences of growing up, being able to work on your own vehicle or having to play until the street lights come on or fix your own bike so you can get to school or go play with friends. Very different experiences. Or chase, chase the mosquito fogging truck. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't want to (laughs) know. Hey, we had a guy water a desert on the show. So, I mean, who knows? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, not too smart, but I'm still here. That's so that's funny. how you got into construction. Right. That, it helped a lot. <laughs> yeah. So how did you get your journey started in the uh in the blue collar, the trades, and in, in building, creating, finding, what what drove you down that path? 
Well, it's, it's kind of a long story, but as a kid, I always was taking apart things and sometimes I even managed to put them back together. But, um, <laughs> I had a degree in accounting when I, when I got out of high school and, uh, went into office work and I, I've never been a fan of sitting behind a desk at that time. I didn't know that. And when I left uh, the corporate world, I, I went into fixing up my own homes and kind of flipping them. We lived in them for a few years before I flipped them. But after I paid a couple guys to do some work on my house, I thought, well, you know, I can do this. I just don't have the right tools. So rather than paying them, I can spend the money and get the tools and do it myself. And it just kind of started that way. Awesome. And, and how long did you do that? You're still dabbling. You're still doing things on your own, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll always be doing it. Uh, it's been on and off depending on the economy and different things like that. And and uh, probably 20 years. Did you, uh, were you a uh, paper contractor or did you have your own crews? No, I was, it was just me. And then I've just got plenty you? of okay. friends, plenty of friends in the business that if I needed help on a bigger job, I'd, I'd get someone to help me. And I've got a real good friend who's 10 times the carpenter that I am. So whenever I had complicated, real complicated jobs, I'd, I'd get him to help me and take good care of them. So, and, we, and okay. when he needed help, you know, vice versa, we worked together. Okay. So what were some of the challenges uh, as you were building out your business and going forward, um, right? Because as you were doing it, my guess is that you were probably doing this work for maybe some of the silent generation folks, people that are older than you at the time um, type scenario. What did you face as a young gentleman going out and saying, hey, I can do this for you? What What were the biases or challenges you faced coming up through the industry? Probably the biggest thing was, um, you know, it was there weren't a lot of big obstacles, really. The biggest thing was not having enough help, was trying to do it by myself, you know, and then having one or two people to help me, and they'd be busy on a job and couldn't help me. And, and I never wanted, having worked with workers' comp and things like that at a factory of 300 employees, I didn't want to go down that road and have to deal with all that because then I wouldn't be working with my hands. I'd be back doing desk work, you know. And that's not what I wanted to do. So I stayed on my own. Sales was never a problem because it was always word of mouth. I had a really good friend who had a garage in Oconomowoc, and I put my cards on his table there, and I never had a problem with work and still don't. People come to me. You know, I don't have to advertise. So that is a good business to have, Tim. (laughs) Yep. It is. So as you were were, uh, building up your business, and you mentioned, hey, the opportunities were endless, but struggling with work. As you've progressed through that over the years, what kind of trends have you seen in your area? And trends being more specific around people coming into the into the blue collars, into the trade space, and their attitude towards work. Well, the interesting thing is for years, we kind of belittled people that were in the trades. You know, it was, oh, you're a plumber or you're a con- carpenter. Well, you you ought to go to college, you know. And well, and now we're seeing with the college debt, how far that gets people. You know, they have a $100,000 in debt in in a degree in underwater basket weaving and, you know, how they going to pay it off. So So, Tim, just as a side note, this is given all the things that are happening with college debt in the political world, this is not a political show. So if we could just steer away from (laughs) those. Come on. Let's go down that rabbit hole. No, 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 no. Oh, I wasn't going to talk about paying note. it off. I wasn't talking about paying it off. I was going to people should get into the trades, you know. 
I and, completely um, agree with you. You know, they should get in the trades. Yeah, we we need them now. The, what people need to be aware of with that is typically the trades are twelve or fourteen years up and twelve or fourteen years down. So you have mm-hmm. to be able to reinvent yourself in the downtimes. That's the time you go to school. You know, so. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody can get into it right now and say that this is what I'm going to do the rest of my life. I I don't know that that's a realistic possibility. I think you better be prepared to adjust as, as things change. That being said, it's never been easier to be in the trades. I don't think, I mean, you know, when I was a kid, we cross cut with a handsaw and hand nailed everything and now everything's battery operated and there's no hoses. There's no cords to trip over the, you know, it's, it's never been easier. <laughs> now it's just so much easier to put that nail through your hand than ever before. Absolutely. It. Yeah. Been there, done that. Yeah. Check. I've come close, but <laughs> my, uh, so my, my wife, she's a, uh, a nurse and she follows this, uh, Facebook group for all this trauma stuff and different things. And Friday is their foreign body Friday. It's called. Oh no. And yeah. It gets really bizarre. Some really disgusting things, but she had last week. The story was, there was uh, some contractors, some framing guys that were up. Uh, framing guy was up on a roof. Uh, another guy down below doing some other framing work. The guy on top that fell down uh, landed on the other gentleman. Gun triggered, put five nails in this dude's head. Oh! Didn't hit anything. Didn't paralyze anything. Didn't do anything. But the X-ray was so eerie to see these five nails oh. in the X-ray. But the guy was perfectly okay. It was bizarre. It was really weird. But I'm like, it's a yeah. Wow. So like, I guess so obviously they weren't using fall protect. They weren't using fall protection. No. So they must have been uh, very. Uh, uh, the universe was watching out for them that day. Sure, it could have been disastrous. Well, I guess that's proof we don't use all of our brain. <laughs> wow but where's your sound where's your sound bar where's, yeah. where's the sound bar i gotta learn how to use that so so prior to the show we were talking about how uh you went back to back to school and you just made mention of you know using the downtimes to go back to school to to go get education when did you go back to school what made the what triggered the decision and and how was that experience it's kind of interesting. My son gave me a book that's titled Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. Okay. If you've ever read that, it's it's a pretty cool book. And it really made me think about things differently. And I always wanted to get my four-year degree. But in the past, my credits from MATC wouldn't transfer. Okay. And I found out that they would transfer. I 2008, the economy was bad for construction. So I went back to a desk job with a friend of mine. And uh, didn't take me long to realize I wasn't very good behind the desk again. So I looked into this. You and keep found coming back that, to that desk, Tim. And here I sit today, you know, talking to you guys. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I I looked into the Wisconsin Lutheran College, and from the day, from the minute I walked through the door, it was just okay. This is what I'm going to do. And they're all about servant leadership. I knew I needed to to learn about servant leadership because I'm at that time. I was more of the authoritarian, do it because I said so, because that's the way I was raised, you know. So I wanted oh. to learn about that, and uh, I need—I know I we'll needed come back to update. To that. <laughs> yeah, I know I needed to update my technology skills as well, or I wouldn't be able to talk to you guys today either. So, so those are my two primary goals. And, and what was different about that experience? Uh, I guess how did you? F- 
I'm going to assume you felt like maybe an outsider from a from an age perspective a little bit, um, possibly. Um, how was that experience, and how were you welcomed? Uh, it wasn't much of an outsider experience at all. I was I was really, really welcomed. Uh, funny story. I had a, in high school. I had a teacher who was my English lit teacher my freshman year. He teaches at Wisconsin Lutheran College. Well, he just retired last year. So I took a class with him 37 years apart. And the, <laughs> the, the first day of that class, I went in and I sat in the front row and all these students are coming in and they're shaking my hand and introducing themselves. And I said, well, it's nice to meet you, but I'm not the professor. <laughs> 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 so, no, it was real fun. Everybody was really accepting. And I took some in-person classes where I'm sitting next to I took a German class and I was in with, you know, 20 year olds and it, it was a lot of fun. They were very accepting and, and helpful and it, it, no outside at all. It's one of the things I liked about WLC. When I went to visit, kids were holding the door open for me and so polite and everything. It was like, yeah, this is, this is a so, good fit. It's called manners. <laughs> yeah. Respect your elders. <laughs> this is what it's yeah. called. Respect the gray hair. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> so, um, what did you notice? Was there anything that was obvious or different in in when you know when you were their age um, from a social interaction or expectation behaviors or anything like that that you may have noticed while you were back in school? Well, the big difference obviously is computers, but I have to say everybody was pretty outgoing, and I didn't see a lot of the things that you the negatives that you hear about. Okay. Z's or whatever they are now, Y, Z. I, I didn't see a lot of the negatives at all. I thought I saw a lot of people that were very, a lot of kids that were adults. They aren't kids. They're kids compared to me, but they were <laughs> very dedicated and committed and, and polite. And it was, it was very cool. It was, and uh, subsequently I did some teaching there after that. So it was very inspiring. What were you teaching? I taught one of the classes I took in the adult degree completion or accelerated degree completion program was a principles of management. And I facilitated that class later on. It's uh, about the POLC format, planning, organizing, leading, and controlling. And then I also okay. taught at, at uh, MATC, I taught some introductory accounting classes at uh, Fort Atkinson and Watertown. Okay. So I went back to my original alma mater. There, Full circle. There, there it Man. was really interesting because, you you know, accounting is a, is a whole new uh, language to people. And you, you sit in that first class with them and they're, they're looking at you like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> it's T-account. It's not that. It's just T-accounts. Right. Credits and debit. Right. To us, it is. It's all yeah. got, it all equals out. If you do yep. your math correctly, it all balances out. Yeah, That's what's fun about it. Yeah. But you could. that's the cool thing about teaching is you can see the light go on. You can you can literally see their aha moment in especially in accounting when they get it. The uh, you, cool. you'd made mention that your leadership style was very authoritative and do what I say, say what I do. Probably not a lot of why behind the instructions uh, type scenario. And then you know you go back to school for for management and leadership, and then you teach management and leadership on top of yeah. that. <laughs> How yeah. how did that transition? How has that transition impacted you, your business, and and maybe those that you interact with from a subs or from customers, clients, those types of things? What what's changed for you? I think it was the third course I took at at WLC, 
with servant leadership. And that was my aha moment. And it was like, this is awesome. You know, this is the way I want to be treated. Why haven't I treated people like this more often, you know? And um, it just, it, it's so much different that, you know, treat people as an equal, respect them, show gratitude, uh, compliment them, how you doing? You know, it's just, it, it's so much different than the, than the old way, you know, it's uh, the old, my dad was a World War II Navy veteran and, you know, you, you didn't ask questions in the Navy. You did what you're, especially World War II, you did what you were told. Right. You know? yeah, right. There was a lot on the line. <laughs> so it, it was, uh, and coming from a long German family, that's the way my grandpa was. And, and it's like, you know, this is just so much better. I wish I would have learned it sooner. My kids would have liked me a lot more, probably. Well, so, so I was going to ask that question. Has that a, had an impact on the, on the, you know, not only professionally, but have you had been able to transmit that or translate it into uh, on the personal side of things? Oh, absolutely. There were, one of the books I read, another book that, that had a big change for me is called Leadership and Self-Deception from the Arbinger Institute. And the reason okay. why I go back to pigeonholing is because basically in the first 30 seconds that we meet someone, we formulate our opinion of what they, of who they are. Mm-hmm. And after that, we're, we're looking for reasons to validate those opinions. Absolutely. You know, so, and to get out of that box and to not think that way and to be more open-minded and, and receiving is, is, is huge. Right. Uh, I, I do a multi-generational um, talk for one of the things that I do to, for organizations or associations, and I'll show pictures of people right up on the screen and just ask them, what do they see? And everybody, right, it's it's very different based on where your perceptions are coming from. If I show a, a older couple sitting on the beach, somebody might say, oh, my grandparents. Somebody else might say, my dream, Right. And it's just different where people are coming from uh, when they see those images and see those photos. So you're absolutely right. We, we draw that conclusion right away and we judge and have our own biases. And um, the right versus wrong world that we are living in versus just, hey, it's okay, you're different, that's fine, is making it harder and harder and harder to attract and bring people into this industry because, it, like you said earlier, it's, it's looked at as a less than. When the reality is it's really more than because I the folks that I've met in the trades, the machinists, the welders, the, the plumber, the roofers, they are some of the most intelligent people I've ever met. Yeah. The problems they can solve instantaneously mm-hmm. is just ridiculous. Yep. Um, and, and too many companies don't include the janitor in their brainstorming. The guy that may be pushing a broom past the machine every day. And, you know, why didn't you speak up? Well, nobody asked me, you know. Right. right. Yep. You didn't make me feel part of the team. You didn't bring me, right. you didn't make me feel inclusive. Right. And people, the, the authoritarian style is easy. It's expedient. It's quick. It gets quick results. It, maybe not the best results for certain. But the other thing I always say too, is people like to run a, a business by numbers because it's easy. Numbers right. are hard, hard, cold facts. But what I always told my accounting students is numbers are hard, cold facts that don't care about people. So, mm-hmm. and whenever you're running something by numbers, you're looking in the rearview mirror. You're, it's, it's already happened. So that that's not proactive. Right. So. So based on that, I got two questions. First one is what 
advice would you give to business owners, contractors, general contractors that are struggling finding people? What advice would you give them based on everything that you've experienced so far? One of the things I've seen, and I actually did did some number crunching because I went back to 1978. Pay pay is a big thing, I think. And I was curious because I thought, well, am I am I? Did you have a pin, Tim? Did you have a Pinto in 1978? No, I had a. I didn't have a car in '78. My parents wouldn't let me drive. Okay, which was wise. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other story. We don't have enough time. But I was I was working at a factory, and I was making eight fifty an hour as a summer helper. Well, that's the equivalent of thirty five dollars an hour today. Nineteen eighty, mm-hmm. I was tending bar. I was a bar manager making four and a quarter, which is thirteen ninety today. Well, that's probably about what a bartender makes now. In ninety two, or ninety, the factory I was at, we were play, paying floor supervisors thirty grand a year, roughly. And that's the equivalent of about 61.8 right now. Well, I know a lot of middle management jobs that don't pay 61.8. Which is ridiculous. So, you know, I hear all these people complain about not being able to get help. But I wonder if they're really, there's two things. Pay is obviously a small part of it, but you have to be able to live, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think pay is something they should be looking at. But I also wonder how much authoritarian they're actually doing style they have versus are they creating a culture where people want to come to work? You know, right. Oh man, you something are singing, you are, you are singing to the choir here, Tim. Oh, I know. I know and something I've tried to do more recently. And I, I don't say these things because I think I know what I'm doing or I think I'm very good at them. I'm learning, you know, I'm learning we as I go every day. So that's why I consider myself a student of servant leadership. Cause I'm still learning. I, there's no way I'll ever be perfect at it. But it's, it's like the lean. It's like the lean journey. It never ends. Yeah. Right? Everybody thinks, oh, yeah. we're gonna start leaning. It's a start and stop. There is no start and stop. It's a continual improvement process. Yeah. And absolutely. No different than serve, servant leadership. Yep, absolutely. So, you know, as far as pay is a big part of it, but what's the culture? You know, it, like I said earlier, it's so easy and expedient to be authoritative, micromanage, and run by numbers, but. Do you treat your employees as good as you treat your customers? You know, I think it's a Steve Jobs saying that says he has two of them that I really like. And one is treat your employees the way you want them to treat your best customer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that's rarely been the case. Employees have been kind of a byproduct. They were, a, you know, a necessary evil in, you know, 30 years ago. But the other thing I th- right. that I like about Steve Jobs is he says, we don't hire smart people so we can tell them what to do. We hire smart people so they can tell us what to do. Well, mm-hmm. too many companies are hiring people and telling them what to do. Well, you're you're never going to go anywhere that way. You know, like your post the other day, Brad, about uh, the frustration about change. You know, it's like mm-hmm. getting that big boulder moving and, you know, people want to sit back and take it easy and, and take that's human nature. Me too. You know, right. you want to take the easy path and the path of least resistance and, would change? We don't want that. That's tough, you know. But if you don't change, you're going to get run right over. Right. Well, and and there's so many gentlemen of your generation and of your age that have these really nice companies that right now are on life support because they're not doing the things they need to do to make it transferable because they've got the same guys they've had for 25 years 
And those guys are going to eventually want to retire and be out and not do those things and climb roofs and contort themselves to get into really weird situations, et cetera. So that openness to change, that openness to bring in technology, the openness to understand the phone is a tool to be able to educate and learn. And that we have this vast knowledge of, of things is it's a hard, it's a hard, and that's what that post is all about is that yeah. frustration of, look, if, if we can't figure out how to get 25 and youngers into your business and make it sustainable, you're not going to have a business at some point to sell or retire on or, or vacate or transfer to your next generation or whatever it is that you're trying to do. Exactly. I wonder right. how many employers are actually asking the 25 and under, what would it take for you to come work for me? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what's important to you? Because asking me doesn't do any good. I mean, you know, right. I'm all banged up and old. I'm I'm not doing anything <laughs> except talking well, like I know something. <laughs> right. And and one of the one of my clients, he's got they have he's got two young guys. They're both under twenty. Um, he's asked them because he loves teaching and loves growing the industry. He's asked them, "Hey, you got any other buddies? Because we need the help." Uh, the one one employee said, "Yeah, I've got somebody, but they don't want to get up in the morning." And we were talking, and I'm like, "So what if he starts at ten? What's the problem, right? If the kid comes yeah. in at ten, if the kid comes in at ten, the work has already started. Does what they need to do. Um, the other guy that wants to be there in the morning, great. He leaves at three, and the other guy stays to clean up afterwards, right? It's you can figure it out if you just right. think about it differently, right? Uh, Got to right. be flexible." Mm-hmm. Right, and that was one of the um, that was one of the areas of concern for the blue collar world going forward is the lack of flexibility um, for for the jobs because everybody's like, oh, it's sun- sunrise to sunset, and we're going balls to the wall the entire time. Well, yeah. first of all, that's not true. Um, yes, it's sunrise <laughs> to sunset, but you're not working the entire time either. Let's just right. be honest about that. Um, right. So, so if we can figure out how to make it more efficient. Uh, with that flexibility, you may get more done with less time, but people aren't thinking that way because it's not the traditional way to do it. Right. It's not the way we've always done it. Right. <laughs> yeah. The I mean, if you got done. a guy that wants to come and start at 10 in the day and work through the heat of the day, you know, God love him. <laughs> right. Yep. Exactly. Well, it's yep. question two, Mr. That, Doyle. Question number two is what advice would you give to those that are thinking about coming into trades or that college just isn't for them, what advice would you give them on the blue collar space? Do it. Go into the trades. It's awesome. You know, I, especially if you're the kind of person that loves building things, I love being able to go around and say, you know, I worked on that house. I worked on that house. I worked on that building. I sold that job, you know, it's it's awesome, the sense of accomplishment that you get. And that's not for everybody. You know, not everybody gets a kick out of that. But, you know, we have to be able to work as part of a team is awesome, too. You get to know great friends. You get to work for some great people if you find the right place. Some of them, not all of them. But the good places mm-hmm. won't have trouble finding people because they're adapting, you know. So, you know. I didn't start really doing, I've always done electrical, but I, I never really knew what I was doing until I started working with electricians until I was about 45. <laughs> and I, I only did it Rad on my own that. homes. I only did it on my own homes. 
and they're all Black still standing. Black to brass, red to silver. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they're all still standing. So, <laughs> but anyway, I, I wished you know when I was 45 and I started working with some electricians and learning the correct way to do things. I was like, man, this is a lot of fun. I wish I would have started that when I was 18 or 20. You know, I could have been a master in 10 years, and you know, now it doesn't pay for me to get my masters anymore. But it's just you know, if that's what you like and you're not sure about going to school, do it. In 1980, when I graduated from high school, the economy wasn't too great. And I was working in a factory. I'm like, you know, I, I know I can't do this the rest of my life. So I got a two-year degree in accounting. The, the CFO at the company I worked at said, no matter what you do in life, you need to know numbers. So at least get your two-year two degree in accounting. You know, start there. And that was great advice. But, uh, you know, if the economy would have been better, I would have gone in the trades because I the only classes I did well in in high school were shop classes. So <laughs> that's awesome. So, you know, go do it. I mean, I don't, you know, find the right company. There's, there's going to be places that are going to hire, you know, and give you a chance. Everybody comes in as a greenhorn. That's just the way it is. And they're going to, they're going to send you to go to the van to get the plywood stretcher or the, you know, <laughs> the, ha the hammer saw or. <laughs> <laughs> right. Been there, done that, sent so many people back to do that. It's phenomenal. Go yeah. get the elbow grease, you know, yeah. whatever it might be. So, Tim, if people want to get a hold of you, one, to either um, maybe have a conversation with you on that servant leadership or talk about your journey, um, you know, or, or maybe there's a young person listening that just wants to get your advice or, or just have that conversation about how to start, how do people get a hold of you? Uh, my personal email address is T-I-M-L-U-E-T at gmail.com. Business okay. is longer than that. It's Tim L at TLCBuildingServices.com. But uh, okay. also LinkedIn is is the only social platform I'm on. I don't I don't know how to use any You're of those. You're not TikToking? Ones, so. Are you sure? Right. You're I not a TikTok guy? Yeah, yeah. I'm TikToking on my watch right here. <laughs> 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 that's awesome <laughs> i like it isn't that what that is <laughs> i think so i think you are correct TikTok. <laughs> so all right well thank you so much for coming on today tim we really appreciate your insights you. and uh and conversation a lot and i look forward to staying connected with you on linkedin and possibly maybe we get together uh, for a beverage or something one morning for and just trade some more stories absolutely appreciate your posts as well thanks Thank you very much, Mr. Doyle. Have a uh, great rest of your weekend as well, sir. Yeah, you guys too. Thank you for listening to Blue Collar BS, brought to you by Vision Forward Business Solutions and Professional Business Coaching, Inc. If you'd like to learn more on today's topic, just reach out to Steve Doyle or myself, Brad Herta. Please like, share, rate, and review this show as feedback is the only way we can get better. Let's keep blue-collar businesses strong for generations to come.